Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. We were out of our comfort zone, (laughs) and still it was just, God, what are you doing? And honestly, if I thought that the time that we were apart for those nine months was hard, there were two to three years of the four years we were in Oklahoma where I didn't know if our relationship was going to last. Today we're talking about the spiritual discipline of obedience, and I I feel like it's important here to give a trigger warning that we're about to talk about surrender today, and I always find conversations about surrender triggering because I'm a recovering controller, and surrender's hard for me, so I just wanted you to let let you know that we're going to be talking about surrender today. In the study guide from today, we hear, yet obedience isn't just about sacrifice, it's also about invitation. An invitation to discover just how much God loves you. An invitation to seize opportunities that he can only give you when you obey him. And I'm super grateful for our guest today. I've heard bits and pieces of his story from other people, and I'm excited to hear the whole story from him. From what I understand, it's a story of having a dream. And in order to see that dream come true, he needed to surrender and to be obedient to where the Lord was leading him. My guest today is host of the Manly with Andy podcast and afternoon host at our sister station in Minneapolis, KTIS. Andy, you're so welcome, Andy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is an honor. This is an honor. Oh, I'm so excited. You know, I hear people talking about your story, so I'm really... I, I'm excited to hear from the horse's mouth. The buzz, yeah. the buzz around town. I'll be interested to see if it matches up with the expectations. I'm not sure about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm an open book for you. Great. Uh, well, the first question I'm asking everybody is, what's your experience with Lent? Wow. So I really have to kind of dig into my childhood for that. Uh, so my parents, my dad and my mom, or we're going back to the beginning when mm-hmm. they when they fell in love and got married, high school sweethearts, my dad grew up very Catholic. And my mom grew up very Lutheran. And when they got married, they kind of realized that they neither of those really worked for them. So they kind of did more of just a Protestant, evangelical-free you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing with, without, without a lot of, of those old traditions, I guess okay. I would say. Traditions. And so I didn't – I had no idea about Lent growing up. No idea. The churches we went to didn't – and if they talked about Lent, I just didn't know. So I, uh, I came from Lent from a uh, perspective growing after getting married with my wife. And my wife is much more about traditions like that. And Liturgy. Yeah, that's the better word. See, again, I don't even, I'm not even in that world. So I don't know. Traditions isn't necessarily the right word. Because I appreciate it. I appreciate um, these real tangible ways to make your faith real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love Lent. Uh, so I... I my wife's challenged me for years to give up things for Lent. And so a lot of times it's Coke Zero because that's my caffeine. Uh, <laughs> that's your coffee in the morning? Yeah, that, that's my caffeine consumption method of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year I want to go a little different, especially because I just have not been eating, eating well lately. And I, I feel guilty about this almost because I know if you if you give up things for Lent, uh, it's it's sometimes you look at something in your life and you say, well, I just want to eat better. So I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make it religious and spiritual as well. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's okay sometimes, right? We, we want to be a better versions of us. And if, if it takes saying, I'm going to commit this to you, God, why wouldn't that be a good thing? So all that to say, <laughs> yeah, I observe Lent. And so this year I'm giving up sweets. And it has been fantastic because I have such a sweet tooth. And I've been doing a great job. And I've been surprised at how well God has given me the power and the strength to just have self-control. 
and, and you know here, you and I, we both work at uh, University of Northwestern Media, Northwestern Media here, and every time you go by the break room, there's some tweet, there's yeah. sweets. Yeah, I apologize, Andy, because literally today I brought the Cadbury eggs mm. and Starburst jelly beans, oh, so I apologize. No, it's yeah. okay, because honestly... <laughs> I used to always just – I'd walk by and be like, oh, what's over here? You know, Oh, look at that, baby. I do that now and I just keep walking. I look at it and I go, that's great. Someone's going to enjoy that. Not me. Not mm-hmm. today. Not today. I'm just blown away by the, I, I, the self-control that God has given me uh, through this. So do I, have, do I have that sweet tooth? Do I miss dark chocolate? Yes. But I've been doing it. So I, I, don't, I don't know if that's an encouragement for anyone else or for you. But So what are you learning about? I mean, have you learned mm. something about God in the process of it? He's or, enough. Yeah, he's mm. enough. Mm. That, that, that I th- the things that we think we need, the things that I think I need, you know, I'm I'm a chocoholic. Oh, I need chocolate. I need the sweets. Yeah, I, I not not really. And, and it passes. The, the feeling passes. You just have to kind of, I don't know. Um, it's it's almost, and I've heard this before in a non-spiritual way, and so that's why I, I don't want this to sound like a, if you believe it, you can achieve it sort of mm-hmm. thing. There's mm-hmm. that Name fine it, line. It, yeah. yeah, there's mm-hmm. that fine line. But really, it's just, it's it, it's such a mental battle. It really is. It was, it's, it's me looking at that, those Cadbury eggs given by a very sweet person <laughs> that I'm looking at right now and thinking, I don't need it. And uh, you walk away and you realize the difference between wants and needs. Well, and it also sounds a little bit like obedience. Mm. You're being obedient to the commitment that you've made. Mm-hmm. And so you you will surrender your, quote, need for that yeah. and walk in obedience. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, and you realize you're not missing. You're not missing anything. I was going to say you're not missing that much, but you're really not missing anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is what I've heard of your story, Andy. Mm-hmm. I, so you were a student here at Northwestern a broadcasting student and you really wanted to work at KTIS. Yes. And so you were talking to one of your professors and you were talking about when you work at KTIS thinking I'm going to graduate and then work at KTIS. And he kind of let you know that that really, that wasn't how things were going to go. You needed to go out Mm -hmm. and learn and experience and then maybe come back. So how much of that is accurate? And then you can just start from the beginning. Uh, That's pretty accurate. So I, and I just felt like God was kind of putting me on this path to KTIS. So I had interactions. I had, a, I had an internship at KTIS. Every morning, I would vacuum the library before it opened. So we were there from 6 to 8 a.m. And our boss would just blast KTIS. Mm. And so I was listening to the morning show. I'm listening to the radio. And I'm thinking, well, I'm doing this, but I want to be there someday. Mm-hmm. And so I graduate. And I'm looking for that job. I, I had an internship here right before. So I'm bugging the guy who I had an internship with. And now I'm on the other side of that, and I realize how much how annoying I must have been. To the guy. Like, <laughs> hey, you got a job for me yet? Got a job for me yet? And he's like, No, no, I'm trying, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other frustrating thing was during that time, Angela, is I saw other people that were graduating alongside me that had also had internships here at KTIS that were getting jobs right away here mm-hmm. at KTIS. Mm-hmm. So then the doubts start falling and sinking in of. I'm not as good as them. I'm not good enough for this. So I graduated May 14th, got married May 21st. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I did not want to wait any Mm -hmm. longer than Mm -hmm. I had to. I knew. My wife had a full-time job. I was a part-time pizza delivery guy. 
applying everywhere I could for radio, mm-hmm. realizing KTIS was not going to open up. So I was applying to other stations in the Twin Cities, secular stations, non-Christian stations all over the United States, not hearing back from anybody and really just starting to doubt, God, what is going on? Why are you doing this? And so one month would pass, two months would pass, uh, three. So, I mean, this was pretty much throughout the entire summer. I'm delivering pizzas. I'm listening to the radio. I'm listening to KTIS and the radio delivering pizzas. Where do you want to be? Yeah, I'm like, come on, Dad, why am I doing this? <laughs> this is and, and delivering pizzas was a job that helped me get through college, too. So I was just doing all I knew at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I went to school for four years for not this, but I could do this. It pays pretty well. Tip your drivers, by the way. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> yeah. Well, how frustrating, too, to, to not only be hearing from KTIS, but not to be hearing from other stations Nothing. either. And this is how this and this is how the, if, if you're not sure. And, and I don't know how other industries work, but this is really how this is how the radio TV movie business really works. It's it's not don't call us. We'll call you. And when you don't hear back from them, that's the sign. So you're just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. So then. I was told by my professor, former professor at that point, Mark Senior, some advisor, he said, well, there's an opening for one of the stations in the Northwestern Media Network in Sioux Falls. You should apply to that. So I applied. We had a talk. They, they had me interview and they called me and they said, we'd love to offer you the job. And with some other things that were happening in my life, including my wife taking a job that she would have to commit to a year of staying in the Twin Cities. Mm. I said no. Wow. Wow. I mean, what was that like after waiting for so long? That must have been a really hard no. It was a hard no. It was a hard no, but I felt I just didn't want, I mean, I had just gotten married. Why would I, why would I be apart from my wife, which would be then at that point about nine months? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's important to remember sometimes our no to something is saying yes to something else. Mm -hmm. So you were saying no to Sioux Falls, but you were saying yes to your wife with that no. So then so you um, keep delivering pizzas, keep delivering pizzas. And, and this is the part of my my life where I think, do you ever feel like maybe God had two different directions? And if you chose one, you weren't choosing the wrong way or the right way. You just chose one way. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot. There's there's a whole bunch of forks in the road. You don't have to think, wow, if I would have taken this way, because I don't know if I took the right way, because then a few weeks later um, they called and they said, would you reconsider? And I talked to my wife and this is the part, Angela, I'm not sure if I made the right choice. Because I said yes. So I moved to Sioux Falls, four hours away from my wife. And for nine months, we lived apart. Wow. And I would drive back on the weekends. Mm-hmm. As soon as my show got done, 6 p.m., 6.01 p.m., <laughs> I would take, I would, and so my hope was I'd be at, at by, back to my wife's apartment by about 10, 15 p.m. And then Monday morning, I'd get up at 6 a.m. and drive to work. And I did that for, we did that for, for six, nine months rather. So, and I, I still look back and I don't know if that was the right choice because we didn't, we never had a honeymoon period. It mm. was, all right, you're going to do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. So get through that. My wife did end up coming to Sioux Falls and through that, oh, by the way, here's another thing. Again, God's obedience. I don't know how this works, but uh, partway through our time apart, my wife uh, told me she was pregnant. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> that was wow. not planned either. Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, God. There's a whole lot of things we were not ready for. <laughs> so, so all that. And then so uh, she came, got to Sioux Falls. It was a really tough time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was tough. God, I mean, you, like you're married 
for what about a year at this time, mm-hmm. but you've not you've lived together three months and a yeah. few weekends. Exactly, three and months then, and a few weekends. Yeah, and then you She's have pregnant. Yeah, pregnant, which is a whole nother, which is right. very life altering. Not to mention <laughs> when that child comes, how life altering that is. And so you're trying, you're starting to do life in Sioux Falls. Yeah, so we learn we learn to live together again and be more than just roommates on the weekends. And then the baby comes, and it was all it was all in God's timing. I mean, I look back now, and my oldest son. And everyone looks at me and they go, how do you have a 16-year-old that drives? I mean, we had kids very young and it really wasn't our plan. It was God's plan, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, so we get there and Sioux Falls, it really wasn't a place for us. My wife, I met her here at University of Northwestern in St. Paul. She had grown up outside of the Twin Cities a few hours away. And this was her home. She loved the big city. She wanted to be. So I always told her, my promise was, I'll get you back to the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she's looking at me as we're in Sioux Falls, South right. Dakota, which at that time didn't even have a Costco. Now they have a Costco. So now they're big time, right? Now they're big time. But at that time they didn't. She's like, what are you doing? I said, don't worry. I mean, I'm trying. God's got a plan. After a few years there, I realized that there really wasn't uh, an opportunity for growth where I was. Nothing against it. was just it just it was time to, for a change. So then to get her close to the Twin Cities, I said, honey, there's an opportunity in another network that I really think could be great for us. And so I move her further away from the Twin Cities <laughs> to Oklahoma. <laughs> She's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and so I was there for four years. And throughout that, I got to learn some different things and just a different side of radio going from a big structured organization that has many stations and to uh, kind of there's one guy who had a vision to start a station in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma and grew up from there. And it was it was a good experience. But again, we were out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And it still, it was just, God, what are you doing? And honestly, if I thought that the time that we were apart for those nine months were hard, was hard, there were two to three years of the four years we were in Oklahoma where I didn't know if our relationship was going to last. Mm. That's It was so tough. We were so far away from friends and family. All your support network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was especially hard on my wife. I'm pretty adaptable, but it's really hard for my wife uh, when she's not around a good group of Christian women. Mm-hmm. And so she worked at a place where there wasn't a lot of great Christian influences. She had great friends. I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like it was horrible. And she had great friends. Uh, one friend who is not a Christian, but I really feel like God put her in her in, in that path because mm-hmm. she is such a great encourager for her. Um, so. Uh, because for your wife, I mean, you you are following this dream that you mm-hmm. have. You are surrendering to the Lord. And your wife is also having to surrender to the Lord and trust yes. in the Lord and trust you. Yeah. And to surrender to, I mean, you're making the decisions together, mm-hmm. but she's submitting, for lack of a better word, to your dream and following your dream. Yeah. And I, and I tried to tell her that when I, when we, before we got married. I don't think nothing, anything can prepare you for that because I said, hey, if you if you get married to me, I just want to let you know radio is a weird thing mm-hmm. where you have to start in smaller, smaller places and then you get to the bigger place that you want to end up going to someday. And I don't think anything could prepare you for that. So, And, and I really felt bad, too, because when I met her at college, she was on a different path than me. Her, her dad passed away when she was in high school from cancer. Wow. Her mom is bipolar. So her mom really was out of the picture. Uh, Her sister was the only one that really helped her out. So she tried to go through college on her own without any help financially. And so halfway through, 
she had to stop going in, to University of Northwestern, just totally just couldn't afford it anymore. So uh, part of her story is, too, never being able to finish her degree. Okay. Every place we went to, she'd take a few classes and just then it got to the wayside. So she had to keep putting her hopes and dreams on hold. And I mm-hmm. always felt really bad about that. And I just said, well, and to go from a point of a place of being self-sufficient mm-hmm. to put yourself through college to yeah. then to trust and to go along with someone else mm-hmm. with that. I just want to acknowledge how difficult that must have oh. been for her. Oh, yeah. I'd and then it's like the guilt that you probably felt of. Yes. Like I tried to tell you, but I know. I, I'm, I'm really trying to get back to the Twin Cities. Nothing can prepare you for, and if you know, if you live around here, you know this, nothing can prepare you for expecting a metropolitan area like Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then being driven to Ponca City, Oklahoma, population 15,000. <laughs> and I'm just like, sweetheart, there's more cows and armadillos than people. But, <laughs> but the people there were great. It was a great place. I mean, uh, the issues we had was the issues that we had. Uh, I'm not going to blame the people of the city for that. Um, but no, I, I really, my wife is just, I, I, I wish she was here because she has made me a better man every step of the way. And I am not... I would not be the man I am today without her. So I love her so much, and she is so grace-filled, and I, I wish every day. I just can't serve her enough. And I, anyway, so, so yes, the sacrifices that she's made through this whole journey, this is more, I mean, I couldn't have done it without her. I still can't do it without her. That's amazing. So you're in Oklahoma, yeah. and then you, what happens for you to get the call to come up to KTIS? Well, that makes it sound like they were like, come to KTIA, Sandy. Is that how it happened? No, 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 no. Well, there was multiple opportunities. So there was an opportunity with another station that was around here. And they were interested, but it, it wasn't really going to work out. And then I wasn't sh- I didn't feel good about it. Right. That, that's mm-hmm. that's maybe the better thing. And then I had a I had a call from a pastor here in the Twin Cities. It said, we'd love for you guys to become uh, to work for us, we really can't pay you, <laughs> but we've got, uh, you know, what do they call like a parsonage where you, mm-hmm. we have a house you can live in. So you can live in this house. And actually at that point I said, clean, let's do it. My wife, I said, honey, let's do it. Let's just, let's go there. We'll figure it out. We'll trust God for the rest. But she was the one that was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know about that. And I don't know, maybe again, like I said before, you kind of go on these different paths. Would that have worked? I bet. I guarantee God, it's not like God would have said, well, too bad. You took the, you took door B. Sorry. (laughs) That was not the door for you. I mean, in the end I would have been, I was following, it would have been following God into a ministry position. Would it have, I don't know if it would have opened up doors, who knows? So, but it just didn't work out. And at that same time, there was another place that was kind of offering me some possibilities, but just didn't sound like it was really concrete. And my wife, the one thing kind of going back to her childhood and growing up is She's really made this clear. She said, honey, my childhood and being a teenager with dad passing away, all the bills that come from that with cancer, he was a custodian. He worked at a place where he didn't have the benefits and the structure Mm. to be able to provide the way he probably would have wanted to. And I feel so bad. I I never got to meet him. And and I I, I hope to meet him someday in heaven and just say, I know you provided as well as you could Mm -hmm. because that's hard. That's hard. Anyway, so so all that to say she she values stability more than sometimes taking those steps of faith. And that's hard. You have that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the the obedience, right? That's the that's the Abraham saying, all right, God say, I'm going to take you out of the land, you know, and you just got to go here. I'm promising you this. Right. So that's that that's kind of that's the the tension. Right. Right. So we so I finally get the um, I get the opportunity to go to a Christian radio conference where 
the guy who was the pr- program director, the boss that I would, my boss eventually, he was going to be there. And, and my friends were like, yeah, that's the guy you need to talk to. Talk to him. There was a position open. And so I talked to him during lunch one day. And even though everyone was leaving for sessions, I, we just kept talking and we talked and mm-hmm. talked and talked. And so that led to a few months later getting the position to come up here. But that's not really the end of the story of obedience because we got up here and, and God was good. It was like, I got here. We got here. But then now what? Well, it's more expensive to live up here. And so I was being a little and I don't know. Again, this is one of those moments where I thought, am I really trusting God for this? We ended up buying a house when baby number three came, child number three. So child number two came in Oklahoma and then child number three here in Minnesota. And we had a little two bedroom apartment uh, and we probably would have made it try to work, but. Our two oldest were boys, and this was our baby girl. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I can't put her with those guys. And <laughs> just, it was just so small, too. It wouldn't have worked. I, I mean, my wife would have killed me. Uh, but <laughs> 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 trying to have three kids, and I, I, tried to, I would have made it work mm-hmm. for a little while with three boys. I think, again, that was a God thing where mm-hmm. he said, nope, nope, you that need to find. Mm-hmm. Nope. So then trying to find a place that's more expensive. And so I started worrying, and that's never a good thing. It doesn't say, it says not to worry in the Bible. And so I felt that maybe it's time for my wife to get a job. She had been uh, staying at home for a while. And that started a whole roller coaster where she found some jobs that were very time consuming. And she was working fast forward to pandemic time. She's working at Target in the beginning of the pandemic. That was the only place that was open. Mm. So while everyone else is saying cutting hours, cutting jobs, cutting positions, my wife was working more hours than ever. And it was stressful for us. It was not good for us. So I finally told her, I said, honey, I'm tired of not trusting God Mm. with this situation. I said, I don't know how it's going to work, but I think, I think you probably just need to leave. And and I put it this way because I felt so bad that up to this point, it's been all about my job. So I gave her the option. I want you to know, I gave her the option. I said, honey, if you want to, you can stay at your job. I'll find something. I can do some stuff freelance from home and make it work and I can stay home. But she said, again, with her childhood upbringing, she said, I don't want to have that responsibility on me, which mm-hmm, I expect. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to give her that option. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say, I, I'm, I, I've chased my job. I've gotten to a place where I don't have anything else to check off my list. I feel good about where I am. And if God wants me to put it away for a season so that you can do what you want to do and really finally pursue that, mm-hmm. I want to do that for you. I will stay home with the kids. And she said no. So she stayed home. So she left her job December 31st, and this was a few years ago. And then that next year, she stayed home. We kind of reset our family and everything. And we never went without. Mm -hmm. Never. Never for a moment. Mm -hmm. It was, man, those are some of the best moments. I just remember coming home, and she was not stressed. She was not rushing around. The kids were happy. We were all happy. And so it was great. And now we're in a season where she's working again, and I'm, I'm fine with that, too. Now that the kids are a little bit older, my daughter, my youngest, is about to go into kindergarten. And she actually needs the structure of daycare. She loves it. She's like a social butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, she wouldn't be happy if she's just at home with mom. She needs more interaction. So it's, it's a good place. So we're all good. And, and now she can work from a place where it's not a desperate need of, oh, we need this, we need this. But she's finding things that she likes to do. Mm-hmm. And she's able now, to, she works at a place where it's not a ministry, but she treats like a mystery. And people at her work will say, why are you being nice to me? Because mm, <laughs> she wow. works, and she works at a place, at a sales place, 
where they're all working for commission. Mm. And she is just the hands and feet of Jesus to these people that have never seen anybody show compassion because compassion means for you less money. And so she's able to do that on a daily basis. And so she, even though she's not in a ministry position as opposed to me, I think she's shown more people Jesus than maybe I do every day. Yeah. Well, and that's a whole nother conversation to talk about the secular and the non-secular, mm-hmm. because if we go into that, if we, if we know Jesus and the Holy Spirit's in us and we go into that place, that becomes a sacred place because we are in there and we just brought the Lord with us. That's ministry. Yeah. That's ministry. Andy, this is amazing. This was so much more than I expected it to be. <laughs> I got your story. I got Colleen's story. I got how God was using you and bringing the two of you together. This was so amazing. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. I'm honored. And I also want to say you are so good at your job. There are so many times that I turn on the radio and I think there was one time that you were talking about a meteorologist was getting their car washed and someone said, oh, if a meteorologist is getting their car washed, that's a pretty good sign for the, that the weather's going to be mm-hmm. good. And then you went into the weather and I was like, oh, I thought you were just telling a story, but you were giving us the weather. Like you're just, <laughs> that's quintessential what we talk about. I just wanted to say that publicly, I appreciate the way that you do your job. Oh, thank you, Angela. Well, one more thing then, as you say that. Yep. Uh, so I started my career and when I first went on the radio in Sioux Falls, my first day, I freaked out and I, 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 I turned off the microphone and played the next song. Like I, just, I couldn't do it. And so there was a verse then that God put on my heart and it's been kind of one of my life verses ever since. It's when, uh, uh, when Moses talks to God and he is complaining to God. He says, I can't go to Pharaoh. And then God says, uh, who makes man speak? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will give you the words to speak. So that's just, I, so when you say that to me, I just think, uh, young Andy, right out of college, getting his first job in radio, and then the first day feeling like, what am I doing here? <laughs> That's been the thing I've clung to ever since. I cling to that, that God gives me the words to speak. He gives us all the words to speak. It's not us. It's God. And that's and so again, it's that obedience, trusting God to put us in the positions to speak to people, which we don't feel qualified to speak to, but God's going to do it anyway. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about the spiritual discipline of obedience. I hope you've enjoyed not only this conversation, but the conversation about all the spiritual disciplines. Remember, we're not quite done yet. We've got a few more episodes that will take us right into Easter. Thank you for joining us on Reading the Bible Together podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted by Angela Smith and produced by Aaron Trost. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more at myfaithradio.com.